Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Metal Movers podcast. Uh, it's brought to you by Argus Media, a leading independent provider of energy and commodity pricing and market intelligence. My name is Jethro Wookie. I'm the senior aluminium reporter for Argus in Europe, and I'm very lucky to be joined today by Murat Bayram. He is the director of non-ferrous metals at European Metals Recycling, or EMR. Murat, welcome. Yeah, good evening, Jethro. Thank you for inviting me for your great podcast. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, non-ferrous metals recycling industry uh, in Europe uh, and beyond and some of the things that we can expect to see uh, this year in 2022. Um, and I'd like to start with something that I know you've spoken a lot about in the past, and that is uh, the European Commission's proposal on EU waste shipment regulations that we saw late last year. Uh, which didn't really seem to adequately address the issue of processed scrap metal falling under the designation of waste. Uh, could you just describe the, the situation as it currently stands, some of the problems that, uh, that the industry is facing with this issue, and then maybe what developments that you realistically hope to see in 2022 that might address this? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. If you allow me, Jethro, let's... Look first together why we have this new proposal on EU waste shipment by using the example of Germany, Germany uh, within the EU. Yeah? So uh, Germany is uh, facing a very important task. For 250 years, our prosperity was based on burning coal, oil and natural gas. And in less than 25 years, this is to end. So the federal government have decided that Germany should become climate neutral by 2045 and obtain its energy exclusively from renewable sources. And this is nothing less than the second industrial revolution we are facing. For me, it's clear that only if we succeed in this conversion of our industrial production and thus maintain and expand prosperity, jobs, and perspectives in the transition, other countries will follow this path. And only if other countries will follow this path, we will have a chance of stopping human-made climate change. So again, in 25 years, we tried to change what we did 250 years long. And this is only 10% of the time we use natural resources like there is no tomorrow, as mentioned before. So it means we are unbelievably speeding up to correct centuries of industrial history. And I think I'm not saying something spectacular if I say solving tasks very, very fast leads very often to poor results. And don't get me wrong, Jethro, you're looking a little bit to me, but I agree that we can't wait, and I agree that we need to do something, but I would also like to point out that by doing so, we need to be very carefully and listen to the experts of each area, like to our recycling industry. If we um, take a look outside, you know, all companies want to be green today. Producers claim being greener than the competition or being the green champion. But when we look deeper to the facts, we can see that some of the so-called green champions are wolves in sheep's clothing. Just an example, and I'm sorry that I hijacked this call, but it's very important to understand the situation of the recycling industry. We all, you, Jethro, me, we, everyone using, you know, smartphones or other devices such as wireless keyboards or earbuds, you know, one of them is just dropping off my ear now. So we are in the comfort zone. The, the products are helping us enormously to make our life more convenient, isn't it? And once they're not anymore functioning, it's easy to replace them. This easy replacement is leading to 60 million tons of e-waste globally in the coming years. And today, less than 20% is recycled and used for new products. The reason? 
small electronics, which are very complex and difficult to recycle. Here again, as an example, the earbuds. So just an eye-opener. Um, Jethro, I'm asking you, you live in the UK, right? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we all consume online. We all buy products. What do you think in UK, how many products did we send back? What we, you know, because we didn't like it, for example, is it 500,000, 200,000? How many products do you think we did send back in UK? <laughs> I don't know, but I, I'm imagining you're about to tell me. No? 2020, we did send approximately 600 million articles back because we didn't like the color, the size or functions of previous online purchase articles. Imagine 600 million products only in Germany. So it means billions of products are sent back in Europe. And a big part of these products, unfortunately, never go back in the warehouses again. So a big percentage is simply thrown away because it's easier for the big companies to get rid out of it and to calculate the additional costs into the future sales prices of new products. So when you would come here to Hamburg, for example, and would visit with me together some of my electronic recycling friends, you would recognize that there are not unpacked articles, never used. You know, sounds like stupidity, but it's reality. And now... Let me build the bridge to why we are now facing the problem with the proposal of the EU waste shipment regulations and why the BIR or URIG or other national associations like VDM are protesting against it. The recycling industry is investing since ever into technology to win back raw materials from end-of-life products. The products are getting more and more complex. Just look at the electric vehicles now. So you need continuously investments into new machines to be as good as we can to rescue the metals back. And why is the metal recycling industry able to invest in all those new machines? Because we can sell the different metal scrap qualities worldwide at the best prices. And the proposal of the European Commission tries to solve problems, no doubt, I mean, which are existing, as I explained in the beginning. But they try to solve it with a one-size-fits-all approach and would make exports more difficult. They don't use the word export ban. And although, but, but you know, all those, how do you say, export restrictions are barriers which are leading to de facto an export ban. And we have seen that, for example, in Russia, like last year. I don't know if you read about that, but last year Russia uh, did close the markets and did regulate the markets uh, on the scrap metal side. And what, what did we see? We saw shrinking volumes of raw materials which were collected, sorted and processed from waste. Instead of more, the companies did recycle less metal scrap in Russia. So, in fact, it was mentioned January to July last year, 21, the collection of material increased. But from August on, after the export was de facto not possible, um, as the export duties were increased, a smaller market did lead to less recycle. And on top of all, we can see nowadays, uh, we talked about aluminium uh, before, um, that aluminium smelters, you know, face, unfortunately, a very hard time. I mean, a lot of aluminium plants will cut their outputs in response to high electricity costs. And Jethro, imagine what it would mean if Europe would implement such high restrictions on exports in a few years so that we wouldn't be able to search new outlets when a situation like this would come up in a few years again. So today we have luckily open markets and can redirect raw materials from recycling. But imagine we would close the doors. Yeah. You asked about what developments I hope to see in 2022. Well, URIC did start last year with a powerful warning letter to the European Union leaders, signed by hundreds of companies and national federations, over the potentially disastrous effects of a restriction on exports of raw materials from recycling. 
The BIR is communicating with platforms like the Challenge, you know maybe, continuously about this topic. And national associations like the German BDM are not getting tired to invite politicians and other lobby groups to inform about this matter. The Green Deal is on the table, yeah, but as always, the devil is in the details, and here we will have to fight until the end. Don't underestimate the lack of knowledge some policymakers have in our sector. And how do you say um, every drop uh, in the ocean counts? Yeah. So every talk to policymakers helps to bring light into the dark. This is my hope. <laughs> well, we'll see how far we get there uh, this year. Um, just moving on to some more uh, fundamental uh, questions about the market in 2022. And thanks very much for that answer. It's um, something that is absolutely to uh, keep an eye on this year. But uh, just looking at the markets now, demand-wise, um, I've had lots of people telling me they expect very strong demand growth this year. Export demand is expected to be high. Auto demand from autos um, is expected to feed through as a semiconductor shortage diminishes, hopefully, this year. What's your own view on, uh, on, on scrap demand uh, in 2022 this year, and what might that mean for, for prices in the uh, near future? Uh, that's the million-dollar question, right, um, about the prices. But, um, yeah, I, I see it also with – I still see the semiconductor problems, actually, the chip problems, because when you look outside to the automotive uh, industry, they're still postponing deliveries uh, of new cars. So I'm, I'm not sure if the semiconductor problem will be solved very shortly. But I think we can say how generally the trend looks like. Yeah? So gas, coal, and oil prices have rallied like never before. And due to the efforts for more climate protection, some high energy prices are likely to become permanent. So, but this will not just be limited to the energy sector. And in the, I think in the shadow of energy prices, metals like cobalt, nickel have also recently become significantly more expensive. And copper is also trading at, um, at historically high level of around $10,000 per ton. It will probably not be the end of the price release because metals are urgently needed for the energy transition, whether for wind turbines, photovoltaic systems, batteries or electric cars. The problem, the supply will not be able to keep up with the increasing demand. Copper, nickel, cobalt are besides the recycling source, mined and mines. So the development of new mines can be, I don't know how, how long a, a new mine can take, up to 10 years, right? And if the world economy wants to be free of CO2 emissions by 2050, Price increases will occur in the next few years. According to some official stated scenarios, cobalt prices, cobalt needed for the batteries, for example, could increase by up to 500%. So we are talking in 2030 maybe uh, about cobalt prices of $200,000 per ton, you know. All right, great. Well, we're running a, a little short on time, but maybe time for one quick question that I wanted to ask you. Uh, last year, we saw um, quite a lot of consolidation um, in the European metals recycling space. Uh, we had the merger of Derisborg and Ecor, uh, Aparam's purchase of ELG. I'm just wondering if you anticipate any more of that uh, this year, any further large-scale consolidation uh, within the industry, and what effects that might have? Well, that's a good question and very hard to answer. I mean, there was, there is, and there will be always consolidation in our European metal recycling sector, Jeffrey. And uh, as the majority of the industry is still in small and mid-sized family hands, I'm not worried about new acquisitions in our area. Both concepts proved to be successful. And uh, the smaller companies in being flexible and the bigger entities in making important investments for solving the problems of tomorrow's waste stream. So I'm sure that we will see some more acquisitions, definitely, Jeffrey. And uh, because, you know, with higher prices, 
cash flow problems and so on. Yeah, we, we, there will be some, some acquisitions, um, coming up, but you know, it's, at the end of the day, you know, I'm not worried if you, if you, if you ask me like, you know, will it be a problem or not? I don't think so. Um, all right then. Well, I think we're out of time uh, already. So I'll just say thank you very much uh, for joining me today, Mirat. Lots to look out for uh, in the scrap markets in 2022. Uh, thank you to everyone for tuning in. And if you'd like to check out a few more of these podcasts or just learn a bit more about other metals and commodities, please go to ArgusMedia.com. Otherwise, goodbye and have a great day. Thanks very much.